0: Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. I am Scott, and I'm happy and thrilled to be joined tonight by my good friend, Dan. Dan, how are you this evening?
1: Doing all right, Scott. It's great to uh, be here with you again.
0: Great to see you, as always. How you been? How's your 2023 going so far? Have you watched any NFL playoffs?
1: Um, I have watched uh, some NFL playoff games. Um, I, uh, was excited by the Giants Vikings game. Um, I was, I was confident as a Giants fan about that playoff game. I kind of said to myself, if there's a playoff game, we're going to win. It's going to be this one. Um, and then I have to say, I, I was, uh, feeling pretty good going through the week with the Eagles game. I was like, you know, I know, I know we're the underdogs, but I think the way we've been playing, we got a chance. And, uh, uh, I feel like if the Giants uh, actually showed up to play, maybe we would have had a chance, but they uh, they took the night off.
0: They took the night off from the first drive. It felt over like the Giants had mm-hmm. no chance. The Eagles were dominant in every way that game. It was just quite a performance by them. Uh, Dan, we're recording this episode on January 25th. So this coming Sunday is the, are the championship games. I want our listeners after Sunday can see if you got this right. Make a prediction as to who will win those games and meet in the Super Bowl.
1: Well, um, you know, Kansas city, Cincinnati is a tough one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I'm going to give it to Kansas to, uh, to actually a Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati can pull it off. I feel confident with Cincinnati.
0: I agree with um, you on that one. Yes.
1: I think they might, uh, might uh you know upset the the Chiefs um you know the the Eagles Niners game is tough cuz i'm going to i'm going to say you know my my uh my cautious side is going to say the Eagles mm-hmm. but you know the way the Niners have been playing and with with Brock Purdy there um they i think Niners have a chance they could probably upset the Eagles but uh yeah. if i were you know on the panel with uh you know the the monday night football guys i'd probably i'd probably choose the eagles
0: yeah that's my instinct too i think that the eagles will probably win that game but as with any sporting event i'm always amazed at how any in any one game anything can happen i think yep. in the nba last night the orlando magic beat the boston celtics and you never would have Look, in a a matchup, you would have picked the Celtics, and they lost. So anything can happen, and uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. It's going to be hopefully just two good games. I like good games.
1: Yeah. I think the only sure bet that you have for this weekend is that uh, parts of Philadelphia will be on fire and destroyed uh, (laughs) because that happens whether the Eagles win or lose.
0: (laughs) That is true. Yeah. Nothing I can add to that, Dan. Nothing I can add to that. But anyhow, uh, why don't we get to the main part of the show tonight? And it was a topic that you suggested, and it's a little bit of a sad topic, but I think it's important that we speak about it tonight. You know, we've been dealing with the loss of some major powerhouse musicians over the past couple of weeks. 2023 has been rough that year, rough in that way. Uh, The first major musical artist to pass away was Jeff Beck, who died earlier this month. He was, I believe, 77 years old. Am I right about that, Dan? Does that
1: I think I think just turned 78, maybe.
0: Let me get a quick answer to 77
1: that. or 78.
0: Um, I will confirm he was 78 at the time of his death. And Jeff Beck was, of course, one of the all-time legendary guitarists. Huge influence on many musicians, Dan, that you and I are big fans of. And um, the loss came out, I think, as a surprise. Look, uh, 78 isn't young, but not too long ago, he was touring with Johnny Depp after the two of them released an album. And I had seen him on YouTube as part of a SiriusXM discussion in which he appeared with Johnny Depp and it was interviewed by Stevie Van Zandt. He looked great. Um, So we're going to spend some time tonight talking about Jeff Beck. And then the other musician who passed away was David Crosby. And David Crosby, at the age of his death, See if I could get an answer to that. Was 81. 80, 81, yeah. 81. And David Crosby, to me, I'm jumping ahead, but to me, he personifies the 60s. When I think of 60s musicians, David Crosby comes to mind right away. Of course, with the Birds, then with Crosby Stills Nash and Young. And uh, he continued making beautiful music even after those groups went their own ways. Uh, we'll talk about David Crosby. And to have those two losses, as well as the loss of Lisa Marie Presley, uh, in January of this month for the music world, has been a bit tough. And um, let me begin, Dan, by asking you how you heard the news about both Jeff Beck and David Crosby. And what was your reaction in those moments?
1: Um, well, Jeff Beck was one of those moments where you know, it's like usually I'm on top of these things mm-hmm. um, and I hear about them pretty quickly. But I was uh, at work and, uh, you know, had a long day. It's a it's musical season. So we had a rehearsal. Um, and then after rehearsal, I was taking care of a couple of other things before I left. So I really wasn't paying attention too much online. Got in the car, drove home, um, just got in the door and I got a phone call from my father Um picked up and he was like, hey, did you, did you hear about Jeff Beck? And I was like, no, what happened? He's like, oh, Jeff Beck died. Um, and I was like, wow. And he even said, he's like, you know, I was waiting for you to call me or to reach out to me to let me know. He's like, because you usually hear these things first. And I was like, no, I was really busy all day and, um, you know, I hadn't, hadn't heard about it. Um, and then he and I just, you know, talked about uh, Jeff Beck for a little bit on the phone. Um, because that's how I that's how I knew who Jeff Beck was, you know, mm-hmm. through uh through my father and um him playing um you know some of the uh Jeff Beck group records and um Beck Bogart and Apathy records. So that was my introduction to him. Uh so my father and I were just, you know, kind of talking about Jeff Beck and our experiences with his music, and um that's how I found out about him. Mm-hmm. Um and uh David Crosby I found out about um scrolling through uh Facebook and saw Graham Nash's post um Mm -hmm. that that he had posted and um you know it was that that kind of hit hit hard um because you know Crosby Stills and Nash Crosby Stills Nash and Young was another thing that was a staple of um growing up for me when we took road trips, um, and you know, with the, with the family, um, every summer we would go down to, a, to Ocean City, Maryland for a portion, uh, when I was younger. And, uh, but before I put the Beatles into the rotation <laughs> in the car, um, there were basically, um, two tapes, two cassettes that were actually three cassettes that were, um, um, uh, played constantly is my, my mother um, was responsible for two of them and, and my father got one choice. So um, what were they? It was, uh, so it was Cal King's tapestry.
0: Okay. Um, yeah.
1: So that was, uh, that was what my mother uh, brought in and um, tapestry has a fond place, uh, you know,
0: um,
1: in my heart because of that. Um, the uh, carpenters, the singles.
0: Yes. Again, was I, l- I was listening to my that my earlier brothers. today.
1: Yeah, yeah, another one of my mother's uh, um, selections, and uh, again, it's it's probably one of the reasons why I uh, I enjoy the carpenters, um, and then my father was Deja Vu by Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young, and those were the three the three cassettes, and um, so that always brings me back to that time. Um, but I really kind of fell in love with uh with the with that record. And and their music, uh, and their harmonies, and um, so so hearing about David Crosby, that was uh, you know that was a tough one. But then you know reading um, Graham Nash's tribute, knowing the friction that was there between them in the last few years, um, it was nice to read um, him looking at the uh, the good times, you know. Mm-hmm. um and what you know what Crosby meant to him um as a friend in the good times and as a musical partner mm-hmm. and then it was equally as nice to see that from both Neil Young and Stephen Stills as well right. um you know their their relationships were never easy ones um so it's it's nice to see uh the good feeling still there
0: yeah it's um its it is... I guess I'll just quickly share, I honestly don't really, with Jeff Beck, I had seen on Facebook, on the official Facebook page of Patty Boyd, George Harrison and Eric Clapton's former wife, that she had posted that Jeff Beck died. And I hadn't heard anything about this. And I went on Twitter, they're like, no, it's a hoax. It's a hoax. And actually his death had not been announced at that point. And then literally the next day or the day after is when the news broke. So maybe she had heard something that wasn't made public yet. Uh, David Crosby, I mean, I, I went on to Twitter and I saw he was trending, and whenever I see these older musicians trending, I get this wave—not just musicians, older celebrities. I get this wave of anxiety that something bad happened, right? And sure enough, with David Crosby, when I clicked it, the first thing I saw was a tweet from Brian Wilson's account speaking about David Crosby and his passing. I was like, oh man, you know that that hurt, because yeah. like you, I've been listening to Crosby, Stills, Nash and young for years. Got into them a little later than you did. Uh, Greg, a mutual friend, uh, Dan of ours. I remember in college played several albums. I got him into some Beatles albums that he hadn't really Mm -hmm. listened to, like help, you know, and uh, he got me into the band. I remember going to see the last waltz when it was put into theaters again. That's a great memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, And another album was the, um, so Far collection from Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, which was kind of like a greatest hits package. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say it was like a Beatles-esque moment, because I've never responded to new music, or very rarely, the way I did when I first got into the Beatles. But it was kind of close. I I really, I'm a sucker for harmony, as you know, from our Beach Boys conversations, and immediately they hit me as one of the all-time great harmony sounds that I'd ever heard. And then, of course, I got more into his career, and birds and so forth, which we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, these these passings, they really hurt. I think I had heard Bill Maher talking about celebrity deaths not too long ago, and specifically about musician celebrity deaths and why they really hurt. And if I think what he said, I hope I'm right about this, is that with musicians, they're always there for us in the sense that, okay, you watch a movie, you may watch a movie, but you may not watch that movie again for five years, right? Music is a constant. For you and i it's a constant we're listening to music all day long and so these celebrities play a greater role in our day-to-day lives so from that perspective losing them it just uh, I, th- I think it really hits hard and i think it hits hard for the general public based on the various reactions i've seen um anyhow with that being said let's start talking a little bit about jeff beck uh now dan i uh, i think it's fair to say you're probably a bigger jeff beck fan than i am let me ask you first. Had you ever seen him in concert?
1: No, no. I never got the uh, the chance to see him in concert. Um, I
0: so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: I was going to say, unfortunately. Uh, um, but, you know, he kind of, his solo career is, you know, a pretty eclectic one.
2: Um, mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, some a lot of it is instrumental rock. Um, some of it is jazz fusion. So... Um, it's not everybody's cup of tea. So sometimes finding someone who's, you know, would be willing to go and, um, enjoy, uh, you know, that with, uh, with you is, is hard because if they're not into it. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that's going to appeal to them. Um, so I, I feel that was probably one of the issues with getting to see him live. If he came around is, um, it wasn't like he was going to be playing, um, old Yardbirds and Jeff Beck group hits, you know, Mm -hmm. most likely he was going to be focusing on whatever he was doing at the time. Um, And, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, some of that is an acquired taste for people. Um, But he put out some incredible stuff. And one of the things that I um, enjoyed on a recent album that he put out, a live album, I think it was live that I want to say was maybe Hollywood Bowl or something like that. I got to double check, but he did an incredible live instrumental version of a Day in the Life.
0: Yes, that's one of. Um, uh, a tr- I was going to mention that. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah, which is uh, just um, it's one of those things where you, if you hear someone's doing a cover of it, you're like, "How are they going to make that work?" And especially mm-hmm. an instrumental cover.
0: Um,
1: right. And and you know he does an incredible job with it, and um, you know has the you know all the things that you're looking for for the original and replicating the vocal line on the guitar amazingly but then um adding his own touch and um you know making it his own as well so yeah. um it's it's just a great recording and and um that alone makes me disappointed that I never got to see him play live <laughs>
0: <laughs> right yeah i had i have a friend who uh, commented on facebook that He's been to tons of concerts, and one of the most memorable concerts he's been to was Jeff Beck. And it turned his wife, who was not a fan, into a fan, really hadn't listened mm-hmm. to him before. I saw Jeff Beck once, not in a full concert, but as part of a Buddy Guy tribute show. Buddy Guy, is the, for those that don't know, is a very famous blues musician. And Jeff Beck was influenced by the blues, as a lot of the great guitarists are. And I remember this guy sitting in front of me. He was there with his wife or his girlfriend. And he noticed Jeff Beck kind of standing in the wings, waiting to take the mm-hmm. stage. And I just remember him leaning in and saying, Jeff Beck. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> a memory I had. But it was cool to see him. Uh, a Day in the Life, his version of it, is one of my highlight tracks. I, I'm i very particular when it comes to Beatles covers because I hold the originals in such high regard. And his version of it is stellar. Another great guitar version. If Yeah, it's... I think Lawrence Juber, who was a Wings guitarist with Paul, does a great version of A Day in the Life on one of his Beatles cover albums. I have a recollection of that. But anyhow, mm-hmm. um, did you listen at all to the Yardbirds, Jeff Beck's original group? Or one of his original groups, I should say. I don't know. Was that his first group? I don't know.
1: Um, it was his first big group. I know he yes. was in some small groups before that, and he had been doing some um, some session work. But, um, you know, the Yardbirds were one of those bands as a guitar player that um, you, you heard about pretty quickly if you were into you know rock and, and and blues guitar because you know the Yardbirds were three of the most famous rock guitarists and Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page. So mm-hmm. um, you know if you you got into Led Zeppelin, you got into Clapton and Cream and his stuff, and you kind of went back to the Yardbirds to see where it started. Right. Um. And um so uh, listened to a lot of the Yardbird stuff and you know, in all honesty, the most accessible stuff, I think the stuff where you find most of um most of the popular hits um that they had were during the Jeff Beck period. Um so I mean Jeff Beck was the guitarist on um uh, Shapes of Things and Train Kept A Rollin' and mm-hmm. Over, Under, Sideways Down and Heart Full of Soul. Um what, what about Four your love? Four Your Love was the last, um, the last Clapton um, album. Uh, Clapton actually left the Yardbirds because at the time he was a blues purist. He did not like the direction that they were going with the pop single,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so he he left the group and um, had um, had suggested Jimmy Page as a replacement um and jimmy page was very happy at the time with his um his career as a session guitarist Mm -hmm. and jimmy page and jeff beck uh were were childhood friends or at least like you know teen as friends as teenagers and jimmy page uh um suggested jeff beck and that's how jeff beck became uh the, uh, the 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 yardbirds guitarist right um and then for a short time there in 66 you had uh, jimmy page and jeff Beck in the yardbirds together so um it's cool to listen to some of that stuff and actually you can see uh there's the um the film blowout um which uh was i think 66 or 67
0: um, a fictional film
1: it's um it's a it's an english film i forget who who made that um i have to um uh, check that out um uh, sorry yeah, 1960s. he up. was
0: in uh, he, the blow band started michael an- antonioni my,
1: michelangelo antonioni yes um blow up not blow out sorry i blow up my yes. uh, my mistake so um yeah they were in that group and you can see footage of the uh the jimmy page jeff beck dual guitar lineup in that right um so uh, it's kind of cool stuff they were the um blueprint for a lot of a lot of later bands i mean uh, uh led zeppelin uh, there would be no led zeppelin without the yardbirds wow. um and uh, uh aerosmith um, who you know probably does the best cover of "Train Kept a Rolling." Yes. So I mean, the Yardbirds and their guitarists inspired a lot of other bands to um to come along and build on the, that blues foundation. Early Fleetwood Mac, um, just yeah, you know, so many, so many bands.
0: Is it true? Do you know if Jeff Beck was asked to join the Rolling Stones at some point in his career?
1: Um, was he asked to join the Rolling Stones? I think I might have heard that. I know there was one band where they said that he was, they were going to ask him to join, but never did because they were, they were kind of afraid to. Uh, I think that was Pink Floyd that I I read oh, that about. Yeah, When Sid Barrett left, they were going to ask Jeff Beck to play guitar, but didn't have the, the guts to do it. Um, he may have been thought about when um, when Brian Jones left. But so when they fired Brian Jones, um he might have been on the short list of people that they thought about. Because at the time he was maybe just finishing the first the first Jeff Beck group lineup. Mm-hmm. Um which is another thing that's like no you know, if it wasn't for Jeff Beck, we wouldn't have Rod Stewart because Rod right. Stewart was the first Jeff Beck group singer. Um I think he was just finishing that lineup up in like mid sixty nine. So he was probably available. Um, but you know, as we'll talk about when we get to the to David Crosby, too many too many egos in one band. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it that's, that's always for, a problem for it lasting too long.
0: the um one of the highlight tracks for Jeff Beck I was going to give you appears on an album of his, which is really, I need to go back and really listen to this. The album, I want to make sure I'm getting the correct. Uh... Here we go. Jeff Beck Rock and Roll Party Do you know, honoring Les Paul. Does that ring a bell?
1: Um, I've heard of it. I've, I haven't listened to it.
0: Yeah, it's basically uh, a tribute to the Les Paul sound, that old time rock and roll sound. And on there, he does a version of the great Santo and Johnny song Sleepwalk, which is one of my f- favorite 50 songs. It's mm-hmm. a tremendous version. So I encourage you to check that out also. On his most recent album, which is that, uh, not compilation, duet album with Johnny Depp, the album is called 18. What I really like about this album is that, of course, now I'm trying, okay, here we go. I was loading it up while I'm talking to you. He does several covers of some of my all-time favorite songs, including a couple of Beach Boys covers, Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder, Caroline No, which are, I mean, are not two of the most covered songs when it comes to the beach boys, even though Caroline knows one of the all-time greats and they do a great version of Smokey Robinson's Ooh, Baby, Baby, Smokey Robinson, the Miracles, Ooh, Baby, Baby, I should say, which is one of my all-time favorite songs. And all those tracks are, you know, great Jeff Beck songs. Je- Jeff Beck, uh, showcases guitar playing. Um, what are some other highlight Jeff Beck tracks for you?
1: Um, so just going through his career, mm-hmm. um, Definitely, Shapes of Things, which uh, he does two versions of. One is the original with the Yardbirds, um, and the other opens his first Jeff Beck Group album, uh, which was called Truth, um, and they're both very different versions. Um, you know, the original Shapes of Things is a little bit um, faster paced, uh, kind of in that you know uh, British uh, invasion style, right? Uh, Up tempo rocker. Um, the one thing that stands out about Shapes of Things and also um, the other two big tracks of that era um, Over Under Sideways Down and um, and uh, Heart Full of Soul is the, uh, the eastern flavor of the guitar solo and the guitar lines. Um, very sitar-like, um, very eastern. And um, actually, I think I read that um, it was either Shapes of Things or... Over Under Sideways Down that kind of influenced the Taxman solo.
0: Oh,
2: okay.
1: We um, try to get that, that that kind of Jeff Beck Eastern flavor um, that he brought to the Yardbirds. Uh, but, the, the, but Shapes of Things is a great track. And then he covered it to open his first album with the Jeff Beck group with Rod Stewart on vocals.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's a slower, uh, more blues-based arrangement. Very kind of almost prototype for Led Zeppelin, very Zeppelin-esque. Um, and just brings a totally different feel to the song. Uh, and it's, a, it's an incredible track, both versions. Um, so uh, definitely worth checking out both of them. And Rod Stewart's vocals are, um, you know, as a vocalist, Rod Stewart's one of the great rock vocalists. And it, it, it's cool to kind of hear him so early in his career. This was like his first real big um, recording. As a Beck. member of the first Jeff Beck group,
0: speaking of Rod Stewart and Jeff Beck, I was meaning to I just didn't get around to it I know a track that others have highlighted highlighted in Jeff Beck's career is the duet that he does with Rod Stewart of the song People get ready mm-hmm. classic soul song apparently that's are you familiar with that that version i'm I'm not yes I've, I've been meaning to check yep. it out can you talk about that for a moment
1: um yeah it's an it's an incredible version um I mean, for a long time, I heard it as, you know, you hear it on the radio as just Rod Stewart. Like, I I didn't know that it was Rod Stewart and Jeff Beck. It's actually off a Jeff Beck album. Um, I think the album was called Flash. I want to say like mid 80s, somewhere between 84, 86. But um, it's a great arrangement that showcases uh, Rod Stewart's vocals and Jeff Beck's playing. And you can see why they they worked well together. Um, And I think I, I forget if I think Jeff Beck had said uh, of a uh, of Rod Stewart that they had a love hate relationship. That Rod Stewart loved Jeff Beck and Jeff Beck hated Rod Stewart. So I see. <laughs> um, but they had a they had a, a long, you know, um, on and off again kind of partnership. And that, I think that's one thing that kind of links Jeff Beck and David Crosby is um, brilliant musicians, brilliant talent, not always the easiest guys to work with um and uh i i think that's an interesting thing that we lost both of them within a week and one of the things that i think was a detriment to their careers they could have done a lot more if they were easier to work with within the groups that they were in mm-hmm. um because they both you know kind of overstayed their welcomes or caused hiatuses because of, you know, the friction and the, or the, or (laughs) in David Crosby's case too, the drug use.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, When you look at Jeff Beck in your mind, do you rank him up there with, let's say the top five guitarists of all time? Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: I think one of the reasons why many might not is because he didn't have the kind of career that Jimmy Page or Eric Clapton had. Um, And if you look at Clapton's career, I mean, Really, he gets a lot more, he gets a lot more credit. This is probably going to be a very controversial thing to say. He gets a lot more credit than he deserves maybe. um, Because I feel like his real creative artistic period was most likely in my mind, I would say like 66 Mm -hmm. when he, when Cream started to um seventy-one, seventy-two, the Derek and the dominoes album um and then he got hooked on heroin and went away for a little bit and then got better and then came back and i feel like after that when he started his main solo career um he kind of rested on his laurels a lot i don't right. think that there was ver- that same creative spark that was there in the first six or seven years of you know or even you- even the first nine years, t- ten years of him being a, a, a recording artist with the Yardbirds, and then through um, through Cream and and um, John Mayall Blues Breakers and Blind Faith and um, and Derek and the Dominos, that I think was his high point as a um, as an artist. Um, he was still Eric Clapton, and he still did you know stuff that people enjoy and sold records, but wasn't the same and 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 but jimmy jimmy page i think you know led zeppelin alone is enough to,
2: <laughs> oh yeah
1: to, to you know uh to have a uh, a legacy right and um you know you, I, I i think jimmy page uh totally there's no um there's no kind of second guessing his right. ranking up there um jeff beck i I think was probably the best of the three Yardbirds guitarists, but didn't, um, have a, a a post Yardbirds career that made him as well known to, to, um, people, Mm -hmm. um, definitely, you know, kind of not past the mid seventies. Um, so I think that's why, uh, maybe if you, if you said, you know, Jeff Beck is, Top five guitarists, you might get some people that are going to question that because they'll be like, well, what did Jeff Beck do? Right. Um, oh, in actuality, he, he did a lot. Um, and uh, things people don't even realize. I mean, he's responsible for the drum groove uh, on Stevie Wonder's Superstition.
0: Yes, of course. Uh, I, I actually didn't know that <laughs> so. until he passed away. I saw that in the news coverage Yeah, that uh, yeah. Steve, Stevie Wonder wrote Superstition for Jeff Beck.
1: Yep, uh, initially. I think they were jamming in the studio. He came up with the drum uh, the drum beat, um, the drum groove. Stevie wrote the song around and had given it to him to perform. Um, and he did cut it with the, the um, Beck Bogart and Apathy trio um, that he put together with uh, Carmine Apathy and Tim Bogart from Vanilla Fudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only did one record together, but there was a delay in getting the record out. So in the end, Stevie's was released first. Um, when you know initially it was supposed to be Jeff Beck to release it first, but see, that's it got amazing. delayed. And, you know, so but um, but yeah, and it's it's little things like that. I mean, Led Zeppelin in and of itself wouldn't have happened without the Yardbirds. Probably wouldn't have happened without Jeff Beck. If you listen to his first solo album, Truth, um, there's a couple of things about that record that kind of sets the stage for um for led zeppelin's first record it's kind of a, almost like a prototype led zeppelin one um you had even the for the, the setup of the band i mean the band was um four piece um two session guys um jeff beck and then originally the drummer was um ainsley dunbar who um had played with so many groups frank zappa david bowie uh, he was the first drummer in journey um so he was a session guy initially with the group, group and then i think the it was mickey waller who was also a session guy who replaced him and jeff beck who had been in the yard birds and had also been a session guitarist and then you had these two new you know young kids in rod stewart on vocals and ron wood on bass right. guitar uh, um and if you think about led zeppelin Led Zeppelin was kind of set up the same way. You had the two veteran session guys and John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page. And then they went out and got these two young kids, John Bottom and and, um, and, and Robert Plant. And that was kind of the setup of the band. Um, the Jeff Beck group cuts does a cut of uh, You Shook Me mm-hmm. on that record, which is very close to the version um, that, um, that Led Zeppelin did. And then there's the track on the album called Beck's Bolero, which is an instrumental piece, but it's um, written by Jimmy Page. Jeff Beck is playing lead guitar. Jimmy Page is playing rhythm, um, 12-string rhythm guitar. Mm-hmm. John Paul Jones on bass, Keith Moon on drums, uh, Nicky Hopkins on piano. Um, and that that session was kind of the beginning of the idea of this idea of putting together a super group between Beck page, John Paul Jones and, um, um, and, and, and Keith moon. And, uh, I think John Entwistle was present and made the, the comment that, yeah, if that would go over like a lead, like a, like a lead balloon and, um, and Jimmy page remembered that and that's how they came up with Led Zeppelin. But, um, Led Zeppelin kind of the formation of that was of that group was in that, um, in that session because Jimmy Page was going to get left with the Yardbirds name and the Yardbirds gigs. And he needed a, a you know, a band to put together. And right. he and John Paul Jones click, they played on several sessions together in the past. And it's like, okay, well we might as well work together and, get, and try to see what we can put together. And Led Zeppelin kind of came from that. So, um, Jeff Beck was kind of instrumental in, in the birth of Led Zeppelin, in a way.
0: Dan, I have nothing to add to that amazingly beautiful series of statements you just made, that story you have told, which educated me. I really was not familiar at all with any of that. And maybe I, I would be willing to bet at least one of our listeners out there is probably not familiar <laughs> with that either. Um, it, What you just said, basically, is an illustration of the reach with which Jeff Beck has impacted the music industry. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I I really kind of resolved to get more into his music. I'm familiar with certain things, but not as much as I should be quite frankly. Yeah. I uh, think, um, Good.
1: I think, uh, sorry. Uh, Some of the stuff um, he's got some great stuff that like, really, if if you like, you know, blues bass, guitar bass, rock, um, those, those uh, four Jeff Beck Group um, albums are great. Um, he has uh, uh, Truth, which was the first one, um, and that's with the original Jeff Beck Group. Um, and then they made a second one uh, called Beckola.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then after that, he, he broke up the group. He broke up the group on the eve of Woodstock. Um, and They were, were they actually supposed to su- perform? They were actually supposed to perform. Yeah. And he broke up the group on the Eve of Woodstock Um, and uh, Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood went off and joined the the Faces. Um, And then, uh, you know, that led to Rod Stewart's solo career and that led to Ronnie Wood being a stone. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's and then he put together a second version of of, of the group, which really um, not very well known people in that version. But they did, uh, they did some great stuff. And there's a great track um, that opens their, I think it's a seventy-two or seventy-three album. It's a self-titled. Um, it's uh, easy to spot because the cover has a picture of the guys in the band and an orange on it. Okay. And uh, the opening track is called "Ice Cream Case," and it's a it's a really great, um, great song. So um, one of those uh, deep cut rock tracks to, mm-hmm. to check out. Um, And then he did the Beck Bogart Apathy album, which is your basic, you know, power trio. They do a great version of Superstition on that. Um, And then he made two albums produced by George Martin, which were guitar instrumental albums, Blow By Blow and Wired. And uh, again, Wired is kind of an acquired taste. Mm -hmm. Um, He goes a little deep into the uh, jazz fusion realm. But uh, Blow, Blow By Blow has some pretty cool moments on it um he does a great version of um of she's a woman on it
0: oh yeah um, that's another track that i was familiar with his cover of that yeah and it's real good
1: yeah it's 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 really cool um and it's also cool that you know he's got george martin producing that as well oh yeah um and then there's an, a great version he does of uh, stevie wonders uh cause we ended as lovers mm. um which is which is real on that album um and then after that there's kind of you know it's, it's very sparse, <laughs> right? but, right. um, but I think his, uh, his Yardbirds period through that Beck Boker at album for people that really like, you know, blues, bass, guitar, rock, it's, it's it's worth, it's worth checking out.
0: Dan, thank you for enlightening me and our listeners as to Jeff Beck's career. I think, uh, you, what you have said is a great gateway for us now to go explore his music, all of which I believe is available on the streaming services. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's all easy to find. So
0: That's that's definitely a a plus of 2023 music access, right? Exactly. So now with that, let's turn to David Crosby. So Dan, just like I asked you at the beginning of our Jeff Beck segment, let me ask you this. Had you seen David Crosby in concert?
1: Um, I got to see uh, David Crosby in concert twice. Okay. Um, So the first time I saw him was, I want to say PNC, I forget the year. Uh, but it was definitely PNC Arts Center. And it was um, just with, with with Stills and Nash. So it was a Crosby, Stills and Nash show. Um, awesome. And that, that's got to be late 90s, somewhere between 97 and 99. Um, the second time I saw him um, was Madison Square Garden in 2002. Um, it was uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and uh they were being backed by uh part of booker t and the mgs so oh, wow uh, cool yep so booker t on, on 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 keyboards donald duck dunn was on bass uh steve jordan on drums steve um, jordan. and Great. that yeah and that was an incredible show they played all the hits they played stuff from neil young's new album at the time are you passionate yeah um his big song from that was let's roll which was um it's 9 tribute song um and that was just an incredible concert and, and one of the reasons why i remember that concert is very similar to my first um uh paul mccartney uh experience we um went with uh with with a bunch of people um had tickets that were all the way up in the in the you know nosebleed seats and uh one of the people that i went with had uh Pre-games a little bit too much prior to and was 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 fairly intoxicated and had wandered off and we were up there before the show started and someone else was like oh let me go find him and see where he is and went to look and came back was like all right i found him but um i there's this usher and he's he's upgrading and do we want upgraded seats and we were like, yeah, we want to upgrade a seat. So um, we went, found the usher, and they gave us the upgraded tickets, and we went down, and we ended up with seats right behind the stage. Um, <laughs> wow. About five or six rows behind the stage. See, and, they know
0: you're a serious music fan. That's the respect that they yeah, showed you.
1: See that? And, uh, and it, that was great. And that was just a great show. I mean, the, the four of them were on, um, the harmonies were incredible, the energy was great. Um, and yeah, and they did pretty much everything you would expect them to do. Right. Um, and yeah. And then I actually forgot this. Uh, I saw him again. Um, I had gone to see David Gilmour uh-huh. um, when he releases um, On an Island album. And um, Nash and Crosby on the record sang harmonies on the the title track and I think one other track. And they were there at the show. He brought them out and they sang the harmonies at the at the show so i saw him there too
0: great great memories dan um i'd seen him twice once in concert at a local theater with graham nash the two of them toured it must have been back 2011 2012. Um, it was great great concert wonderful you know it sounded phenomenal and the other time i saw him was not in a concert but i saw crosby stills and nash at an event in new york city where the three of them. We're ta- we're, it was basically engaging in a discussion. It was an interview, just talking about their careers. And I was, I had great seats for that. It was like second row in a very small venue. So I was able to sit right in front of them for about 90 minutes listening to them talk. And there was no, no real bickering. Everybody seemed to be getting along, which was great to see. Um, I don't think I saw him perform other times. But if you're like us, Dan, and you listen to 60s music all the time, his presence was a constant. And uh, I'll begin by telling you one of my favorite all-time 60s songs, which David Crosby wrote. Now, before I tell you the song, let me ask you, did he write the lyrics and the melody on the song, songs that he wrote?
1: Um, he wrote, yeah, he, he, tended, he wrote everything on the song okay. that he wrote.
0: So um, this yeah. song is Almost Cut My Hair, right? One of the all-time great songs. It has one of my favorite lyrics in music ever. Can you guess what that lyric is? Uh I, but there's so many good
1: lyrics in that song, Scott. <laughs> there are. Um I'm gonna go with uh It Increases My Paranoia Like Looking in My Mirror and Seeing A Police Car.
0: No, that's not the lyric it's I had not in mind. That but, one. I, but but, oh, that's a good but one. I do love that lyric. I do love that lyric. Um so he begin. It, it's we at the beginning of the song. Where he goes, almost cut my hair, and then he goes, but I did it, and I wonder why. I feel like letting my freak flag fly. Oh, okay. I love that because to me, that lyric, that freak flag fly, is sixties right there in a in one lyric. You know, counterculture, late sixties, enc- encapsulated in a lyric. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. And 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 if there's one thing David Crosby was not afraid of, it was letting his freak flag fly. <laughs> that is very um, true. I, and. And I think you know something you said before that is so accurate. Is like when you think of the '60s, you think of David Crosby. Yes. I mean, uh, I mean, his his from the time he was in the Birds, his style right was. I, I think I read somewhere he was uh, the hippest and hippiest of the Birds um, because you know they were trying to kind of imitate, you know, like McGuinn and, and and Gene Clark, kind of trying to imitate the Beatles with the the suits and and Crosby had I remember that Ed Sullivan show uh where they performed Mr. Tambourine Man and he had that cape it's like that green mm-hmm. um almost looked like velvet almost looked like velvet
0: or or like yes. a
1: cowhide cape
0: i i could picture and it i know exactly what you're talking yeah, about
1: yeah and that's and it, that's such a like 60s image like absolutely
0: you
1: know, the the, the mop top haircut and that cape um and then i mean what Give it a year and a half, two years, and he grew the mu- He started to grow the hair, grow the mustache, he was wearing like the Russian hats and oh, yeah, um, the cowboy hats and the fringe jackets. And, um, it was like that was uh, the epitome of like the the, the hippie look. Like I California, saw a growing great- Laurel Canyon yeah. hippie look.
0: Speaking of Laurel Canyon and so forth, I saw a great clip on YouTube from the Dick Cavett Show. I think it was filmed the day after Woodstock ended or something. Mm-hmm. It was uh, David Crosby is there, Stephen Stills, Joni Mitchell, um, maybe, and a few others that are escaping me. Uh, just Jeff- sitting Jefferson around Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson, Air- yeah, so Jefferson Airplane mm-hmm. sitting around in their '60s clothes, talking about how awesome and experienced Woodstock was. It's just if you like that period of music, it's mm-hmm. it's it's like uh, visual and ear candy right there. Uh, yeah. I think the really cool thing, one of the really cool things about David Crosby is. The impact that he had on two genres of music that you and I are in particular fans of. One of them is Psychedelic Rock. And a track that I've seen a lot of people mention since his passing, and I understand why, is Eight Miles High by the Birds. One of the all-time great rock songs, one of the all-time great guitar songs. Um, I love it. It's a psychedelic rock classic. Some people say that even started the psychedelic rock movement. I probably agree with that. Definitely had a major impact on that. And that led to a whole genre of late 60s sounds that influenced so many groups and brought the counterculture to the forefront. So you have his impact on that. And then you have his impact on the folk rock scene. I think that Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young really set the stage for many of those great 70s artists in the singer-songwriter movement that may not have had the harmonies that Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young had, but had a similar acoustic guitar type bass sound. You're talking about James Taylor. Now, Carol King was not really a a guitar artist, but you know what I mean? That sound, that, that. Yeah. And I think um, the the feel of the music and he laid the groundwork for that.
1: Oh, for sure. I think, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash and birds and, Buffalo Springfield and and the groups that came out of specifically the groups that came out of the birds and Buffalo Springfield um, because you had Crosby, Stills, Nash, slash Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Um, you had the Flying Burrito Brothers that came out of the birds and, um, and um, po- a Poco that came out of Buffalo Springfield. They, they kind of set the scene for that seventies singer song, California, Southern California singer songwriter country rock movement that gave you people like Joni Mitchell and uh, um, and uh, the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt and like you, could, you know the list goes on and on that was kind of the 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 seed for that um, what they were doing and the music they were making in Laurel Canyon and spreading out to the world
0: yeah and no, I agree with that and and Something else about David Crosby, which they were talking about on the Howard Stern Show, because he had been a guest on that show a couple of times. I didn't really think about this, but as we mentioned earlier, he was 81 when he passed away. And when you listen to his music through to the end of his life, it had been a couple of years since we had heard him sing, his voice maintained that sweetness. His voice didn't take a hit, even though he himself admittedly used a lot of drugs and he had health problems. His voice was still this unique, sweet, soft, gentle voice. And I thought Mm -hmm. it's really remarkable. If our listeners want to hear a good example of that, they should go try to find, I think it's available on YouTube. Back in 2001, before 9-11, which makes this kind of just fascinating to see, there was a tribute to Brian Wilson at Radio City Music Hall. And Vince Gill did a version of the Beach Boys song, Surf's Up with Jimmy Webb on piano and also providing vocals and David Crosby, maybe one other, but uh, definitely David Crosby providing backing vocals. And he had some, I think more than just backing vocals. He contributed lead vocals as well at different times. So beautiful. So beautiful. So yeah. check that out to hear what I'm talking about. You know, Dan, when I think about highlight tracks for David Crosby, it's kind of like picking Beatles highlight tracks. It's, it's, it's difficult because there's so many, Um Why don't we just share some thoughts on highlight tracks? Let's start with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Can you give me one of your highlight tracks? Uh,
1: Well, we already mentioned one almost cut my hair is like, like probably my, one of my favorite Crosby tracks. Yes. Um, But long time gone. Love it. uh, Which is off the first Crosby, Stills and Nash album. Um, He wrote that in the wake of uh, Bobby Kennedy's assassination. And that's an incredible, incredible song. And what I love about that song is, you know, with Almost Cut My Hair, you get like that vitral passion of Crosby. Um, yes. it's there's there's not a lot of harmony in that song. It's really just um, really just his his voice. Right. Crosby's kind of singing lead solo and, and it's it's rough, it's passionate. With long time gone, you get the combination of both. Right. In the verses, you've got, you know, the passion of his lead vocal um powerful a little rough and then in the in the chorus when the harmonies come in um uh, it just takes it to a new level and um some great lyrics in that yes in that track as well um you know um definitely one of his best songs from the Crosby Stills and Nash era
0: did he write I agree with you on everything you just said did, am i correct he wrote guinevere
1: he wrote guinevere yep um and- that was actually I think written with, um, one of the songs he had written at the tail end of the birds. Uh, I can can
0: hear that in the guitar.
1: Yeah. Because he was, um, doing a lot of experiments. It started on younger than the younger than yesterday album, um, with some, some different tunings. Um, and, uh, and, and Guinevere was one of his quote unquote, strange tuning songs. Mm -hmm. Um, and another, probably one of, one of the best songs that, uh, uh from the Crosby Stills Nash Crosby Stills Nash and Young catalog.
0: Uh what about I I think he wrote Wooden Ships.
1: He yeah that that was co-written with uh Stills and um, Paul Kantner from Jefferson Airplane.
0: So on I his don't, boat go ahead Adet, on his boat you said? Uh,
1: on Crosby's boat, yeah.
0: I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about the song Wooden Ships and I don't know who wrote the lyric part of that song or which lyrics in particular, but I was thinking about the opening line of that song where they sing, when you smile at me, I will understand because that is something everybody everywhere does in the, and then they raise the voice, same language. And I was thinking to myself, that lyric is mm-hmm. such a unique lyric. And I can't picture any other artist, maybe Joni Mitchell singing a lyric like that in the song. Not a lot of artists could pull that off. Mm-hmm. It's such a unique songwriting um display right there if that makes any sense
1: yeah and it's it's i mean the subject matter of the song too is just so powerful the idea Mm -hmm. this kind of post-apocalyptic um you know world war post world war three moment of two soldiers on opposite sides meeting each other in this like desolate now desolate world and Surviving, trying to survive together, and having you know that that conversation. It's because the beginning, it's all a conversation. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, can I have some of your berries? I've been eating them for six or seven weeks right. now. Ano- I have another example months. of this. You know, it, it's 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 um an incredible it's an incredible story um that they wrote and turned into a it was turns and in, turned into a classic song. You know that again two bands recorded they recorded Jefferson Airplane did a version right, too right so um but the Crosby Stills Nash version to me is the is the better version of of the two tracks
0: mm-hmm. i got to hear the I, I don't think i've heard the Jefferson Airplane version i didn't i don't think i even knew they did a version of it until david crosby passed and i had yeah that or heard someone say that it's almost yeah, like yeah it's on
1: volunteers oh on the volunteers album yeah
0: yeah it's so tough to choose songs you know a track that i was not familiar with that i saw a facebook friend highlight is a solo song from david crosby laughter are, are you familiar with that song laughing oh is it laughing forgive La- me yeah, laughing. laughing yeah what a track that is
1: yeah yeah it's on it's on his solo album uh from i think 71 when they all did solo albums um they yeah steven still did a self-titled uh graham nash put out i think his was um, I forget if this was no, his wasn't self-titled. I forget the, the, the name of that. Um, Young did um, after the gold rush mm-hmm. and, um, and then uh, Crosby did, uh, if I could only remember my name. Um, and uh, there's some great tracks on that album. Laughing is one. Um, there's another called cowboy song, okay. which kind of like tells the Crosby Souls Nash and Young story, but in the old West kind of setting. Um, it's a really underrated album.
0: Yeah. I, unfortunately, I don't think all the tracks are streaming. I think some of the tracks for whatever reason are not available, but laughing is available. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some Beatles connections with David Crosby. He hung out with the Beatles. I think he was present for some of the Sergeant Pepper sessions. And I think they hung mm-hmm. out with him when they came to the States. I'm pretty positive. They hung out with the birds, right? Does that seem correct?
1: Yeah. There's, um, if there's a, a documentary, um, a couple years ago I actually watched it for the first time during uh covid lockdown yeah on David Crosby and uh
0: oh yes that's right he was invited he it was like his yeah. official documentary I heard it's very good his
1: official his it's incredible um and there's a part where they show um, an interview um with uh John and Paul and this is definitely like around like the revolver time period um and they're talking and behind them it's I forget if it was like a curtain, like there's a little curtain or like, you know, like photographers will hang that tarp kind of thing. And there's a space in between and uh Crosby's peeking between the the um the the curtain and one of the reporter goes who's goes, who's that back there? And John turns around and he's like, oh that's Dave <laughs> And Crosby like ducks behind back behind the 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 uh, the tarp and um yes oh yeah he's just one of our friends and he's an american band and we're just hanging out kind of thing it's a it's a funny little clip um but yeah they there's, there's definitely a beatles connection there
0: and you know after david crosby passed i went to his twitter account he was very active on twitter and he was asked the question or no he he himself wasn't asked but a beatles fan site asked the question what's the best beatles song for a rainy day and he answered it you know what song he said you want to take a guess
1: (sighs) Best Beatles song for a rainy day Um, it's
0: not rain it's not rain that's a clue I was
1: gonna I'll follow the sun
0: great guess that's not the answer he said as he said Rigby meaning Eleanor Rigby and when you think about it it's a perfect answer it's a great answer yeah it is a perfect it is a perfect answer Uh, but he certainly was a big Beatles fan and uh, held them like so many great in, in such high regard uh, when it comes to the birds tracks, I'm a bigger Crosby stills, Nash and young fan than, um, than a birds fan. But, you know, to me, I would go back to the, the well-known songs, Mr. Tambourine man, eight miles high, like I mentioned earlier, turn, turn, turn. Although I think of that as more of a Roger McGuinn vehicle in terms of their cover of that. Um, Any tracks from the birds you would like to highlight?
1: Um, there's a great track on younger than yesterday. It's uh called everybody's been burned. Mm. Um, the Crosby lead vocal, uh, he wrote the song. Um, it's another one of those Guinevere kind of strange courting songs. It's very jazzy. Okay. Um, but, um, it basically talks about, you know, uh, the loss of a relationship and everybody's been burned. We've all, all we've all felt that pain. And, um, it's just a great, great Crosby track. Um, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, the Birds recording of Triad, um, yes, which was the the song that got one of the reasons he got kicked out of the band um, was his pushing for them to to uh, to release the song. When they recorded it, um, and it ended up as a bonus track on uh, one of the re releases of the Notorious Bird Brothers, I believe. Um. And, you know, just lyrically, musically, it's a great song. And and it's funny that um, it was considered so risque by McGuinn and um, Chris Hillman that they didn't want to release it. And you listen to it now, and you're like, eh, it's kind of tame. <laughs> it's not really very risque.
0: When you listen to some of the songs on the top 40 now, anything from yeah. the 60s seems tame.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, a, another... Kind of great thing to see from the Birds era um, is their performance at Monterey, oh, yeah. um, because um, you kind of see Crosby as you know the counterculture figurehead, um, and and you also see the reason why he was let go of the Birds mm-hmm. um, because he was becoming um, too much of a focus. Uh, of the band, as far as you know, McGuinn definitely was concerned. Um, you know, he's Monterey. He's talking. He's the one at the mic, talking between songs, and he's you know going off on these rants about the Kennedy assassination and right um, and and all this stuff. And you know, it was getting too too political for for McGuinn, and he didn't really like the idea that Crosby was all of a sudden the 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 spokesperson for the band right um in a way and um and that kind of led to the you know he he became i think in in the in the the documentary um became impossible to work with you know i think is what mcquinn says and um led to him being his dismissal right from the band
0: despite the tensions that he found himself in with the, his bandmates over the course of many years. It's not, it's not the first thing I think of when I think of David Crosby, I go, I kind of go to the music, you know, and of course his distinctive mm-hmm. look with the mustache, you know what I mean? That's very yeah. distinctive look. Um, I don't have much else to add about David Crosby myself. Anything else you'd like to add, Dan, before we go to the stuff we love segment?
1: Um, I'm going to, one thing that I want to add is uh, I don't think, and, and, and you could, uh, could be a lot of argument here okay Uh, i don't think there was a better combination of, of voices harmony wise than um crosby and Graham nash i think the way that their voices um fit together um was was magical and i and i don't think uh it gets it gets much better than that
0: you know in my mind when you said that i immediately go to the beach boys but when i think of the beach boys i don't really think of dual harmonies i think of four or five Multi, part harmonies yeah. so Multi-part i don't it's, it's not a fair comparison i'm thinking of the duos over time i'm even thinking in the beatles of not paul and george harmonizing paul and john harmonizing and yeah. i agree with you i can't off the top of my head think of anybody better it soft the the the, the Crosby nash sound is soft and gentle but also able to have an edge to it it's a very mm-hmm. unique sound and um i re- recall over the past couple of weeks watching an interview with david crosby or hearing an interview where he talks about the first time they sang together and how there wasn't any real practice involved it was natural what we hear is a very natural combination
1: it's mm-hmm. remarkable
0: that's a great i yeah. don't have much i will not argue that statement
1: and and and, and you know what i, I think i mentioned you know kind of like uh when we talk about like the difficulties within bands, I mean, um, up until recently, I mean, Crosby and Nash were together for a long time. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, you're talking like what five five decades at least, right? Of friendship and making music together. A lot of the reasons why Crosby Stills and Crosby Stills Nash and Young had such an on again off again career was, um, you know, it, the late seventies eighties was partly. Um, Crosby's drug use, but a lot of the friction was with stills and young. Um, mm-hmm. And that went back to Buffalo Springfield. I mean, they were, um, you know, best of friends, but very competitive when it came to the songwriting and the music making. And that, that carried over into, into CSNY too.
0: Mm-hmm. Remarkable story. There's a book that came out a couple of years ago about the history of the band. i meant to read it i just didn't get around to it mm-hmm. some of these musician biographies are like 500 thousand pages <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: i was gonna say 500 pages but then again i, I read plenty of 500 page books yeah, so right. five hundred thousand pages um well rest in peace to jeff beck and rest in peace to david crosby to music legends and uh we're all grateful for their music and their contributions to music and the best way we can keep their legacies alive is to just keep listening that's uh, that's that's what we should do and to remember them. So uh, Dan, thank you for your contributions to tonight's episode. You really, your musical knowledge added a lot to the show. I feel like I'm a bigger Jeff Beck fan and David Crosby fan for hearing your comments tonight. Thank you. Um, with that, let's go now to the stuff we love segment. This is the part of the show where Dan and I are gonna give you a recommendation of something we've been enjoying recently. could be a movie, a TV show, book, album. I want to tell you, Dan, before we get to this, I remember on a previous show, you said that your your Stuff We Love recommendation was a Credence Clearwater concert from Royal Albert Hall. So I didn't watch it on Netflix. I totally forgot about it, but then I saw it online and streaming, uh, the the album version. So I listened to it. What a show that was. Unbelievable. Yeah,
1: right? It's pretty incredible.
0: Midnight Special, such a great song. Mm Mm-hmm. Love that And there was su-
1: such a, such a solid four piece band. And, you know, you listen to that, 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 that tracks. It's, it's nothing, those tracks that show, it's nothing fancy. It's four guys playing live, but it is sounds it. incredible.
0: Solid rock and roll right there. Tight, tight group right there. Um, but now what is your stuff? We love recommendation tonight.
1: Um, so my, um, stuff. We love recommendation is actually a concert film that I watched. Okay. Recently. Um, it's uh, Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um it's him and a band he puts together and they're playing um uh, I think it was it was maybe pre-pandemic when they recorded it. I think it's live in London. It's all early um Floyd tracks from I wanna say nineteen sixty six sixty seven to uh seventy maybe
2: mm-hmm.
1: is the time frame they play. It's really a lot of the the, the Sid Barrett era stuff. Um like very early Gilmore stuff, but it it, it was really cool to see, uh, you know, uh, him and his, his band perform these songs probably for the first time in decades. Um, and it's, uh, if you're a Pink Floyd fan, if you're a psychedelic rock fan, um, it's it's really a cool thing to check out. I, I highly recommend it.
0: Where did you see it? Is it streaming?
1: Uh, It is streaming. I saw it on, um, Amazon Prime, I think. Okay. Yeah, trying to keep my streaming services.
0: (laughs) That's the thing. There's a million of them, right? Yep. I love when people say to me, "Do you have this streaming service?" And I'm like, "Dude, I had Discovery Plus before you. Like, ten people had that thing." So, (laughs) (laughs) although I got to be honest with you, there's so many streaming services that I don't have. You know, these very niche streaming services like BritBox. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think if you if 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 you're not going to be watching a lot of the stuff on it um right you're probably not going to have it but
0: so dan for my stuff we love recommendation i have something that is definitely not for everyone so i highlight that and give a word of caution it's the tv show interview with the vampire which is based on the ann rice novel it was on amc i think you can watch it now on amc plus streaming service and maybe on demand on your cable provider it's a seven episode series i think they're making season two in the next couple of months. And it's very similar to the book. There are definite differences, um, but it's the at, at its core, the story we all know, Lestat, Louis, the little girl, Claudia, that comes to live with them and be a vampire in their household. I love vampire movies. I love horror movies, as you know. And uh, it's just great. That being said, my word of caution is it's one of the bloodiest things I've seen on any TV show. And even for me, wow. a veteran of horror movies and TV shows, there were times I felt I had to look away. It was that that intense. It takes place in New Orleans. It looks awesome. And the cast was great. Uh, the most well-known actor in the cast, I would say, is Eric Burgosian, I think is how you say his last name. He's been a theater mm-hmm. actor in New York. And he plays the Christian Slater role, if you remember, from the film version. Yeah,
1: the, the interviewer. Yeah. yeah.
0: So if you like horror and you like vampires, I would definitely check that out. Uh, music wise, you know, I've been listening to the same stuff we've always been listening to. And, uh, I, I actually went back recently to listen to the revolver deluxe edition that came out, mm-hmm. really getting into the outtakes. They're so good. Nice. Oh, they're so good. Well,
1: I, I could tell you one thing I'm looking forward to is, um, the, the, the uh, announcement that Pete Floyd is releasing the 50th anniversary box set of dark side of the moon.
0: I saw that. Oh. Uh, our friend Joe emailed me about that the day it was announced. And uh, I have a very vivid memory, Dan. I don't know if you remember this. Let's go back to high school now. Once I finished getting into the Beatles, did I Did I buy Dark Side of the Moon with you at a local record store? I mean, you already owned it, but did yes. I get it? Were you with me?
1: I was with you, yes.
0: What an album.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyhow, great, great memories. Great, great memories. I-
1: Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, Definitely great memories, Um, and I'm just uh, you know one of the things that about the about the announcement that's like that people were. Did you see this? People were complaining about the band being woke because of the rainbow on the album. I saw that cover, guys. There's been a rainbow on the album cover since 1973.
0: That's (laughs) true. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous uh, comment that. I think is an example of people just making a comment to make a comment without any understanding of what they're talking about. I uh, I get angry when I hear comments like that and I just, it frustrates me. It's almost like, are you kidding me? That was my reaction. It's, what a disgraceful thing to say. Um, Dan, let me ask you a question before we go to the wrap up. So they've got this dark side box set coming out. Mm-hmm. I recently... Kind of got rid of a bunch of the CDs that I own that I don't listen to. Um kept a ton, but got rid of a bunch. With something like this, a big physical release coming out, would you buy the physical version of this release?
1: Yes. Yes. Well, for me, you know, I'm 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 a big fan, so it's it's something that, you know, I would go out and get. It's one of my one of my favorite albums. Um I think also, I haven't seen what they're releasing as far as all the bonus material, right. but they are releasing um, a vinyl uh, pressing of the uh, Live at the Empire pool show that they did, um, which is uh, a great document of the, the Dark Side tour. Um, they played Dark Side of the Moon in its entirety.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think that was the second part of the show. Uh, but the first part of the show was live the first live airings of shine on you crazy diamond and um and also um you've got to be crazy and raving and drooling which later became dogs and sheep on the animals album interesting um so it's a cool it's a cool thing to listen to
0: yeah no i, I agree and uh was just curious you know in an age of streaming music yeah what would get you the mega music fans yeah. to still buy a physical release
1: Um, It's the it's it's the records that mean like uh, the most to me. Right. I'll get the physical releases for. So, you know, that's why I have, you know, the all the Beatles um, box sets that were released and I have um, I have uh, um, all things must pass. And, you know, those are those are the things that I go out to to get.
0: It's why I have no savings. <laughs> it's because uh, <laughs> I, I, there's so many albums that I love that all are being reissued now in these deluxe editions.
2: <laughs> but yeah, yeah.
0: anyhow, uh, let me tell our listeners where they can find the Stuff We Love podcast. We are online at com. There you can find links to all of our prior episodes. We're on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram and TikTok at Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, although I don't post much on the Facebook page, to be honest with you. And our email is uh, stuffylovepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, with that, Dan, thank you for being here tonight.
1: Well, oh, thank you for uh, for having me. As always, guys, always a good time.
0: Enjoy the games this weekend.
1: We'll we'll try. <laughs> well, three.
0: We'll try. That's it.
1: We'll 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 see how it goes, and, and good luck to Philadelphia. I hope you're still standing after <laughs> this. Uh, Look, this these weekend. games can't be worse the than the Giants too game crazy. Was
0: yeah that's right Uh,
1: the the Giants game was terrible
0: so with that we'll go around the table one more time I'm Scott I'm Dan Dan take us home
1: and this has been the Stuff We Love Podcast